0: Jewish audio on kabod.org. Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchas Mai Sir the laws of the second tithe, and Neta Reva'i and the fourth year produce. So now in chapter 10, the Rambam says, Alif Shahu, or Anything that has the obligations and restrictions of our law, Yeshle Revoi has the obligations and restrictions of the fourth year produce, which means there's a common halachic framework connecting the two. Anything that's exempt from orla is not obligated in netteravoi. As it says, three years. Your plants will be orla. Incidentally, the word arelim comes from the word uncircumcised, covered, not available. Three years, your produce will be forbidden. Uvashona aharviyasan. And the fourth year, all the produce is devoted to Hashem, taken to Jerusalem, eaten by the owner and his guests, as we have explained. So the common thread is, how do you know what is obligated with the fourth year obligation, anything that is forbidden in the prior three years. Now, as we will learn, this entire set of uh, laws only applies to fruit trees, which one intends to use for fruit consumption. But, if somebody plants a fruit tree, a produce tree, but his intent is not to produce. His intent is to create a fence of shrubbery, of trees, around his garden. He happens to be using trees that also produce some kind of edible fruit, obviously not the most desirable in the world, or he wouldn't be using those for fences. So, his intent is not the fruit. Or he plants these particular trees because he wants their lumber. Not their produce. Because the intent is not produce, it's exempt from the entire law of the three years of forbidden fruit. However, what if he planted it? to create a boundary of hedges of trees. The chazar, the of and then he said, You know what? This fruit, not so bad. Maybe I'll have some. or the opposite scenario. He planted it for food. The chazar, of and then he decided to have it you to be used as a barrier instead. Once there was at one point in time a thought of food which makes it obligatory, he's obligated in both orla and Netarabaya. What if he planted it for the first three years as a barrier? And then as he entered into the fourth year, he said, You know what? maybe it'll be for food as well ain't la here because there was 3 years of exemption the 4th year is exempt chaquel cha ain't la de voya because it's progressive if there's no orla law with these trees then there's no net de law Gimel 3 not ilon what if he planted a tree and his intent was that the inner boundary of this tree be for its produce, but the outer boundary will be a barrier, a fence for his garden, or for what have you. Or, another split, the bottom part should be for food, in the top part lists for a barrier, the part of these trees which he intended for food has the obligations of Orla. And, of course, as an outgrowth of that, Netet <laughs> And The part of the tree that he intended to be a barrier or lumber is exempt from the laws of Orla and netter <laughs> toli Here we have an interesting law. It all depends on what's going on in the head of the guy who's planting it. If he intends produce, it's produce. If he intends barrier, it's barrier. Lumber, it's lumber. Now he goes on to say, What about caper berries? Caper tree? Chayi law? Only the berries have the law of orla. But it's leaves, which are also sometimes edible, but they're not considered food for the purpose of orla. So the orla and netter law applies to the berries, not to the leaves. Dalid for an that b'seich sodeyu. In order to understand Dalit, we have to have a brief introduction. The law is that revoya, and Orla, the three years of Prohibition and the fourth year, only applies to something which is a personal tree planted in personal property. But if somebody plants a tree on Ventura Boulevard, that's our main drag here, and he says, hey, this isn't my tree, you know... (laughs) Why is it his tree? Because he said so. That does not have the restrictions of Orla and Netarevaya. Now the question is, what if somebody plants a tree for public consumption, but it's in his own private property, does that have the exemption of the private property tree, of the public property tree where it would be exempt? No. Chaya Orla, this is has the obligation of Orla. Shenemret says, You shall plant, even plural, a the Who you're planting it for is completely immaterial. And when, of course, does this apply in Israel? But in the diaspora, there's a big debate as to whether Orla is obligated in the diaspora or not. Even those who think it is, it's rabbinic. So, therefore, the laws are much more lenient. In this case, Potter, it would be exempt. No, on the other hand, what if somebody plants a tree in a public place on Ventura Boulevard? Or, what if somebody is on a cruise and he plants a tree in a boat? Or he has a boat in Malibu. He plants a tree in a boat in Monica. Or a tree that grows on its own in public in a private domain, or, or a non-Jew that planted a tree. How does that apply to a Jew eating from it? Whether his intent was to plant for himself or to plant for the Jew, or somebody who steals a tree and he plants it. All of the above, Chayovim Be Orla, they all have these obligations, even though every one of them has reasons to argue that the obligation of Orla and Netteravoya is not there. Still, they do have the obligation. Ha'Ayla. Ha'Aila, may However, a tree that comes up on its own in like a forest area, potter is exempt. Even if somebody plants a tree in a place which does not have a lot of people, it's not a settled place, potter is exempt. As long as he's not producing enough fruit, that it would be worthwhile for a person to bother with it until, it, until he comes to a settled place. But if the tree made enough, enough fruit in order to maintain it during the travel, then it would be obligated for Orla. There seems to be a little bit of a contradiction here because I explained in the introduction earlier that if somebody plants a tree in a public domain for the public, he's exempt. Yet it says in the beginning of four that a person plants trees for, uh, I'm sorry, it says in the beginning of five, if somebody plants a tree in the public domain, and then the end of that is he is obligated. So there's, there's an interesting note here that says that when trees are planted in the public domain, The land is not his. Based on Talmud Yerushalmi, the Jerusalemite Talmud, we can conclude that we're speaking about an instance where the person plants for his own self. A person takes public property and plants his own tree in it. What is his intention for himself? Then he would be obligated, even though it's in the public domain. But if he plants trees in the public domain for people at large which is what I intended in my introduction, the prohibition of Orla does not apply. So that's the distinction in paragraph 5. In fact, all of the instances in paragraph 5, there are reasons to believe he would be exempt, yet under certain circumstances the obligation still continues and there's a lot of detailed application in paragraph 5. Moving right along to 7, Zayan mitzvah. If somebody plants a tree for the purpose of a mitzvah, what kind of mitzvah can you do with a tree? To gain, for example, Shanota le Lulav. If somebody planted an esrog tree so that he grow an esrog for his Lulav set, or there are other versions that say Estrog vilulav He plants an esrog and a date palm tree. Why would date palm? Why would a palm tree be obligated in Orla? Because it's a date palm. Dates are food. Isaiah's the menorah, or he plants an olive tree to produce oil for the menorah. All of these are mitzvahs. The mitzvah doesn't exempt one from the Orla obligation. Chay Orli is obligated in the mitzvah, to observe the mitzvah of Orla and Netter of Higdish, what if somebody took a sapling out of his suitcase, he consecrated it to the Holy Temple Fund, and then he planted it. Potter min Orla is exempt from Orla. Why? Because it's not his. It was consecrated to the Holy Temple Fund. But, vice versa, if he first planted it, and then... He sanctified it to the Holy Temple Fund. Chaya Orla, the Orla obligations apply. because you can't undo the Orla obligations by consecrating it to the Holy Temple Fund. Because as soon as you plant it, the Orla obligation kicks in. How do you undo it? Consecrating is not an undoing of it. Now, we learned earlier, flower pots, there are massive flower pots. You can plant trees in massive flower pots. Sometimes you go into a very uh, beautiful, beautifully developed shopping center or hotel, you see large trees in the atrium planted in flower pots or what have you. So we learned earlier there's a distinction whether the flower pot has a hole in it and it connects into the ground or it doesn't. Here he says a step further Haneteya Bautsashayna Noka, if somebody plants a tree in a flower pot, without a hole, still, he's still obligated in observance of the Orla laws. Why is that? Even though, it does, it's not considered like soil in the case of vegetables and other types of plants. In the case of a tree, a tree is so big and so potent that it could take nutrients from the ground even through the, whatever the particle is of the flower, the clay, or whatever it is that porous material of the flower pot. Which is an interesting law. Tess, Elon, Shunotoi, is a tree planted in the house. or law is obligated in our law. When we... This class is taking place now in Chabar of Encino. When we first purchased Chabad of in 1975, the room we later converted to be the shul was called the Florida Room. It was called the Florida Room because it had three out of four walls of planters, big, long planters, about two and a half feet wide, as long as the wall was, and there were all kinds of trees. Growing in, and for many years, we used the shul with the trees. And then in the corner there was a fish pond, which the bad guys, I used to kind of make sure they fell into the fish pond. you know. But this is the idea of a, of a tree growing in a house. This Florida room was half house and half outside room, but later we enclosed it and put in air conditioning and so on and so forth. So planting a tree within a house, Chayabar, is obligated to our law. It's something that a non-Jew or an idolater planted in Israel before Joshua and the Jewish people arrived in Israel. Potter, that would be exempt because that was there before the Jewish people came. But once they come to Israel, once Yeshua and the Jewish people made even if a non-Jew plants the tree Chayav is still obligated in the limitations of Orla when you come to the land and you plant once the Jewish people came the obligation and limitations of Orla kick in what if a non-Jew grafts a fruit tree with a non-fruit tree the prohibition of Orla applies. A Jew may not make such a graft. However, once it is made by a non-Jew, he can utilize it, but he has to wait three years for the Orla obligation. That's why he talks about the non-Jew grafting it, because Jews are forbidden to do that because of other violations. Furthermore, what if a non-Jew comes and says, I like this law, it's a wonderful law. I want to observe it and I want to in the fourth year come and bring the produce to Jerusalem and I want to eat it in Jerusalem. Why not? Hare Hukedosh, it takes on a certain sanctity, connected to the you Yisrael like the sanctity of the fourth year produce of a Jew. And in general, when a non-Jew wants to perform a mitzvah, by and large, why not? Of course, there are many detailed applications to that statement, but for this purpose, there's no reason why the non-Jew... Whose trees, for the purpose of the Jew consuming them, are obligated and limited with the laws of Orla and Why shouldn't he experience the Natiwaya if that's what he wants to do? Yudalev, What does it mean when we say we plant a tree? It could be planting a seed, planting a bow, B O U G H from a tree, or uprooting a uprooting an entire tree and transplanting it. All three seed, bow, entire tree have the obligations and limitations of Orla. When does it begin? From the time of the planting. What if he just gave it a good shake? But did not really totally uproot it. And then he filled round it with soil the litmus test is could it have survived had he not filled it with soil? Hareza Potter, then he's exempt because it's not new. But if it would not and could not have survived without the new soil. Hareza then just because he shook it up and put new soil in, it's considered a new planting, and he is obligated. You'd base and similarly speaking, Il on a tree. Shenakar, which was uprooted, Venishar mi menoshedash and there was one root remained. Even this one root was as fine and as thin as a needle over which embroiders wine thread. That's pretty thin. And he put it back into its place. He uprooted it, but one root was left, even as fine as a needle. And then he restored it, pottery is exempt. That's, I guess, like in construction, when you leave a fireplace. And then you rebuild a 10,000-square-foot house, you're exempt from the new, uh, new evaluation of the tax. So here you left the needles worth of the root, is <inaudible> because it could have survived with that one fine root but if it was totally uprooted and the rock upon which the roots are embedded are also uprooted and then he replanted it just as it is anywhere in the soil around it had he not replanted it if it could have lived from the soil around that rock had who Then it is considered as if it was never uprooted and it does not have the Orla laws of a new tree. It's an old tree. If not, chayiv is obligated as a new tree. When a tree was cut down from the earth and a new tree grew from its roots, so now it's a new tree, Chayiv Orla, is obligated in the laws of Orla. So when do we start from the time when we start counting from the time it was cut down? Whether one plants a tree, extends one, or grafts one, Chayav is obligated in the laws of our When does this apply? When somebody cut off a bow from a tree, and then planted in the earth, or, or grafted it to another tree. But if he took one branch from an old tree, he just bent it over and put it in the ground, or in another tree. And it's still part of the old tree. And it's exempt because it's not a new being, it's part of the old tree. What if this... Young new tree calls it a yeled, the little boy. This young new tree grew up and produced fruit. And then he cuts the connection to the old tree. He says, "Hey, this is a independent entity. It's growing its own fruit. It doesn't need the old tree." Then that cutting creates a new tree, even though it has already grown from the time it's cut, he starts the count of the three years. But, not paid us, but the fruits that are already there, are permissible. When they grew, was still connected to the old tree. But if he left it after the main part was severed, or, and this is a law we learned earlier, what is the amount of additional growth that causes a problem in the Orla laws. One two hundredth growth. And we learned earlier in the laws of forbidden foods how to measure this one two hundredth. Then it is forbidden. sixteen Again, Yalda literally means a little girl. A young tree. Which was grafted onto an older tree. While you paid us by Yalda, now there's fruit growing on the young tree, even if it added one, two hundredths, the fruits of the young tree are forbidden, because the fact that the sum of that fruit is permitted does not permit that which is forbidden when a branch was extended from a tree and implanted into the earth and then the whole tree was uprooted. And "It's only living from the branch implanted in the earth.". The whole tree becomes a newly planted tree, a bar, and suddenly the or laws kick in. And from that moment, he counts a new birth to the tree and to what grew from it. What if somebody took and extended a branch and implanted it into the earth and it grew. And then took a branch from it and bent it over and planted it. And then as that grew, he took a branch from the third tree and bent it over and planted it. Even if it's a hundred trees, every time it grows and starts to be successful, he goes to the next tree. So, what is this? Are these new trees, or are these part of the same old tree? The tradition being that they're still all connected to the first original tree. They're all permissible, and the laws of orla and that the never kicked in. Why? Because they're all an outgrowth of the original tree. But once the first main tree is severed, suddenly, you're counting everything from that moment. All the hundred trees are new. They could be fully grown, but they're new. Yutes and and the laws of Arla and Etudevaya have just kicked in what if a tree started growing from a stump there was a tree that was cut down left the stump and now a tree starts growing it's exempt from the Orla laws because the stump is old but if it grows not from the stump but from the roots is obligated in Orla because roots are not a tree a baby tree Less than a tephach, a hand breath. Chayabas <laughs> Baorla is obligated in Orla. Furthermore, this baby tree, there are, sometimes there are trees that appear to be midget trees all of their life. Miniature trees. Even when they're mature, they are many trees. Chayabas Baorla kosh neserah, here, these are forever obligated in the Orla laws. Why? Here comes a rabbinic decree because of what people will think. Maris Ayan. If because it appears to have been just planted, and somebody will see a god fearing person eating from a newly planted tree. When does this apply? If there's one midget tree, a or two, or two, opposite to. We learned earlier, and I'm not sure if the Rambam has a a, a, a uh, picture, a diagram of this or not. But picture two, opposite two, and then behind it in the center, a tail. So it's like two, two, and one in the center. Those are five trees. That's called a small grouping of trees. More than that, it's not small. So he says, "Bamid Dvarama We actually had this diagram several times before. When does this apply when it is one or two or five, two, two, and one. But if you had a whole vineyard, for example, with midget trees or midget uh, vines, a reputation is developed. Come see the midget trees, come see the midget vines. And no one will think that this person is violating Orla because there's a big sign on the freeway. Next exit, Midget Vine. So everybody's going to go see it. And he counts the same way he counts for other trees. Three years. One may plant a branch from a tree that's Orla. But one may never plant even a nut from Orla. Why? Orla is a unique law, as we talked earlier. It is forbidden to benefit from it as well. So the fruits of orla are prohibited in, for benefit. If you plant a fruit, a nut from orla, you're benefiting from it. it makes you pre- whereas the branch is not the fruit; it's just a branch. The branch is not from prohib- it; not prohibited because the produce of arla is forbidden, even to delight to, to derive benefit from kamesha We talked about this in the earlier chapter. If somebody transgressed and planted a nut or any other seed for that matter of the arla tree, that which grows, interestingly enough, is permissible. Like all other trees. Why? Because there's a principle that says that if something is an outgrowth from something prohibited and for, and permitted, in this case the earth is helping as well, the soil, then it's permissible. So that's why, although we're not allowed to do it, but if we did it, it's permissible. Chafal <laughs> That's why, oh, for the same reason, We are forbidden to graft underdeveloped clusters of dates in date trees. Because underdeveloped clusters of dates are like produce. But if he did so, it's permissible. Anything that has two causes, one prohibited, one permitted, that which comes forth from the combination is permissible if somebody plants of the fruits of the orla, although one should certainly not do it, mutar. if it is done, it's permissible, it's permissible to benefit from it, because the gram, that which caused this to happen, is the forbidden fruit on the one hand, but the permitted earth on the other hand, end of chapter 10.